instructs us in this passage of scripture how we are to walk wisely spiritually. And so I hope that uh, this message encourages you as uh, we take a moment to evaluate where we're at in our walk with the Lord and areas where we might be able to to improve. But uh, when it when we look at the word walk and talk about our spiritual walk, it's about our daily living. Living according to our calling. Now, when it comes to walk or this word walk, Paul, this is one of Paul's favorite words. Let me just uh, review just for a moment some passages that he has, um, some, some things that he has written in his letter. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you had a walk before Christ, but it was a walk um, in, in darkness. It was according to the, to the course of this world, of your old life. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So following salvation, there's a way, there's, there's a way that you would need to walk differently because of Christ having called you out of darkness. Let's look at verse 17. Now this I say to you, I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, do in the futility of their minds. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 8, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In verse 8, he says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so one more time, we're going to look at this word walk in this text that we're studying this morning. And, uh, and so I want us to read... Verses 15 through 21 this morning. You'll have to bear with me. I went fishing with my wife on Friday, and I think my lips got sunburned. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to speak up here, but uh, I'll power through this message. And speaking of that, um, I, I want to just encourage you to get up in the eastern Sierras. They are beautiful right now. There are waterfalls there in the Sierras that I didn't know where there, there could be waterfalls. So if you want to take a trip up to Sabrina, or if you want to take a trip up to uh, June Lake Loop, uh, it is gorgeous, and these falls are, uh, I guess, the height of uh, the snow melt isn't going to be until the end of this month, so you have some time, but I encourage you to get up there and uh, see God's creation. It is beautiful right now. Verse 15, chapter 5. 
Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul's command here in this passage of Scripture is that we be careful how we walk. We need to be aware of our surroundings and how we are to live our lives as Christians. Um, And my question to you this morning, how careful are you when it comes to your walk? Um, You know, we live busy lives. And uh, most a lot a lot of op- a lot of times we we live as if we have blinders on and we're focused on one thing we're intent on that w- one thing and we're not aware of our surroundings and how God would have us walk. This was pointed out to me by a nearly three year old yesterday afternoon, <laughs> my grandson Levi. He, he loves our tortoises in our backyard. We have uh, two, two tortoises, and every time he comes over to our house, uh, he wants to feed the tortoises. And uh, he's, he's often uh, very disappointed in the wintertime because they're hibernating. He can't feed them. But yesterday, he wanted to feed the tortoises. And so uh, we got some mulberry leaves. They love mulberry leaves, and we took them into the backyard. And he was like this. He was ready to take those those leaves to the tortoises, and he was wondering, where are the tortoises? And he was just uh, set on the fact that they were in their hole. And so he went to the hole, but on his way to the hole, he nearly stepped on one of the tortoises that was feeding on the grass. But he kept charging to their, their hole, and I kept trying to get his attention uh, Levi, there's one right here that's uh, feeding on the grass. Bring your leaves over here. But no, he went, he was looking in the hole. He was calling them out. Tortoises, I've got leaves for you. And he wasn't paying attention to me. And he was frustrated that they weren't coming out of the hole. And finally, uh, Levi listened to me. He came over to where I was at. And... Uh, and as he was coming over and he was standing right right next to me, he was so shocked to see a tortoise. He, he hadn't heard one word I said, and he found a tortoise at my feet. And he was so excited. But, you know, that's the way we are as, as adults, isn't it? We get so focused on what we're trying to accomplish or or the fact that we might be in survival mode just to get through the day, that we're not conscientious of what the Spirit of God would, how He would have us to live our lives. 
And Paul here in this passage of scripture in verse 15 is saying, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He wants us to be wise. You know, Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you want to be a man or woman of wisdom in this day and age, you need to learn to fear the Lord. What, what would he have you to do? How would he have you to live your life? With wisdom, wisdom that comes from him. So this morning, as we walk through this passage of scripture, Paul's going to show us how to walk wisely in this day and age. And the first we see in verse 16, verse 16 says, if we're going to be wise, we need to make making the best use of the time because the days are evil. If you're going to walk wisely, you need to make the most of your time. Uh, there is no time to be foolish. And there are plenty of opportunities for you and I to be foolish, aren't there? I mean, we are bombarded with foolishness uh, throughout that day. But wisdom says, don't waste your time. David says in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach me, Lord, to number my days. Teach us to number our days. How many days do we have, Lord? And may we take advantage for your kingdom, for your glory as we live live those days. Uh, the, the word for... Um, let me go back to verse 16 again. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That, that word for time is the word uh, chaos. And what that means is it's a u- unique opportunity within time. Okay? It's not a chronology of time but it's a season of time. And as believers, we need to take advantage of the seasons that God has us in, certain seasons that will bring uh, glory to him. There are critical moments that God gives us that we need to embrace, that we need to take advantage of. I, I came across a, um, a very surprising statistic this week. I, I don't know if it's completely accurate or not, but uh, uh, the statistic said that uh, 93% of a child's li- life, or 93% of a child's life spent with a parent or parents is going to be used up or take place 
within the first 18 years of their life. 93% of your time with those children, mom and dad, are going to be within the first 18 years of their life. Beyond 18 years, (laughs) your influence is only 7% of the rest of their life. That's a season that you need to take advantage of and make the most of each and every opportunity. There there are seasons that, that we need to make the most of. And this week, as a church, is one of those seasons. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of children here in the building this week and um, for a lot of those children, those parents use us as their babysitter for three hours. That's okay, but they've given us three hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, to influence them in God's Word, what God, uh, what God has for them. And church, we just need to take advantage of it. And I, I'm thankful, I'm grateful for all the volunteers who are going to make this week as special as possible for those children. Those children need to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus has a plan for their life if they will just trust God's will, God's plan for their life, a season. We need to be wise in the seasons and the moments that God gives us. Why? Because these are evil times. These are aggressively evil times. Now, here in Ridgecrest, we kind of live in a bubble, don't we? <laughs> but even in Ridgecrest, we are experiencing that evil influence. You know, as I was preparing for this message Wednesday, I got a notification on my phone from um, Google Calendar. Uh, I don't get notifications on my phone from Google Calendar, but you know what they wanted to notify me of? That the month of June was... uh, (laughs) was perversion month, okay, of the alphabet. First time, I didn't get any notification when it came Memorial Day. I don't get any notification for for Christmas or Easter or any other uh, event uh, uh, throughout the year, but I got a notification for um, LGBTQ Pride Month. I mean, it is aggressive. It is in our face. face, And we need to be discerning. We need to be carefully wise and know how God would have us to live and take advantage of the seasons that God gives us. And I know that as we live this life and we're confronted with, with, with these things. We feel like we oftentimes are going into a forest fire with a squirt gun. 
you know, really, what kind of influence do we have? The church, Christian, we have no idea the influence that we may be making on an impressionable young person's life by just giving them the time of day, by sharing with them the love of God. And one day, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the fruits of our labor. And we're going to be... We're going to meet people that we had no idea that we had an impact or had that conversation in their life. God uses it, and we just need to trust him in the season that he has placed us in. So verse verse 16 once again says, Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's the, second, the first thing about walking wisely. The second thing we see is in verse 17. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You and I need to understand God's will for our life. Verse 17 says, Don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Now, the Bible describes who a fool is. A fool is one who says there is no God. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt and do abominable things. Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Fools live as if there is no God. And it's obvious uh, in how they live their life. And Paul says, if we're going to walk wisely, don't be foolish. Know God. Believe God. Seek to understand God's will for your life. Seek to understand. He doesn't say feel. He doesn't say guess. He doesn't say sense. No, Paul says understand what God has already said. And Paul has been very clear here in Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, very practical as to what God's will is and how we are to live our life for him. Don't follow the world. The world wants to press you and I into their mold, forcing us to believe and live a life of carelessness, a life of debauchery. Don't go there. Don't follow the ways of the world. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. We're very familiar with it. Verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says, do what God has told you to do. And in and by being obedient, by doing it, you are going to prove to yourself that what God says is true, what God says for your life is best. My friends, you can trust him. He knows what is best for your life. And so if you and I are going to be, to walk, you are going to walk wisely, we need to make the best use of our time for him. We need to understand what God's will is and that you can trust him. And then number three, we see in verse 18. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with a spirit. If you and I are going to walk wisely, we need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That is a command. Be filled. And that word filled, be filled, that is in the plural. Okay? And so that's not just for the individual, but that's for the church. Emmanuel Baptist Church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be controlled by Him. This this is for the a command for the church as a whole. When Paul talks about drunkenness, he talks about a loss of control. And we've seen people, haven't haven't we, who are drunker than a skunk that have no control. I was coming home from the movie theaters with Susan on Monday, and there was a guy walking along um, uh, uh, 178. What's the name of the street? In your current rig, yes, thank you. I'm getting old, okay, forgive me. But uh, this guy was totally inebriated, and he was, he was walking like this, and he fell flat on his back. <laughs> Susan and I saw that, and we turned around immediately to see how, what we could do for the guy, and, and he got himself up, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I don't need any help, and some other people stopped and wanted to help too, and he wouldn't take anybody's help. Finally, somebody called the police, but he got up and he kept walking like this and like this, and uh, no control whatsoever. And that's what happens when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. When we choose wine over the Spirit of God, we lose control. And Paul's talking about this because... Um, because of the occult worship that was taking place in Ephesus. Wine was a really important part of these services. And uh, 
nothing to, but debauchery was taking place in these services and, and people had lo, lo, lost total control. Um, and, and, and Paul uses this as, as a comparison to not go there. When it comes to the spirit-filled life, it's a life that's full of self-control. Doing what God would have us to do. Being what God would have us today to be. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit uh, that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. So how do you know? How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? Well, Understand this, when you entered into a relationship with Christ, you received all the Holy Spirit. (laughs) There's no more Holy Spirit yet to be found. You have all the Holy Spirit. You are completely filled with him. And, And that filling is secure for all eternity. We've, we've talked about that. We've looked at that in Ephesians chapter 1. That was one of the, the gifts that God gave us before we were uh, ever entered the world. <clears throat> but the question is, not that you have all the Holy Spirit. The question is, does all the Holy Spirit have you? Have you given all of yourself to him. Because Paul tells us when we are full of the Holy Spirit, three things are going to be manifested in our life. Okay? First is in verse 19. Verse 19 says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, if, um, if you're filled with the Spirit, there's going to be a joyfulness about you. One of the things that we've done as a church here in this service this morning is we have sung songs, sung hymns of praise. That is something that we are, we are to do, to be singing praises unto Him. person who is full of the Holy Spirit is full of praise. A person who's full of the Holy Spirit is dominated by the Word of God and is making melody to Him in their hearts. A person who is joyful is a person who God is in control. That person knows that God is in control regardless of the circumstances of their life. They're joyful. There's a deep abiding sense of God's sovereignty, of God's control in their life. It doesn't mean that there's superficial happiness or their head is buried in the sand. They're living a life of denial. No, life can be hard. But in the midst of that difficulty, they know that God is in control. And there's a deep and abiding trust and joy. And that is reflected in a person who's full of the Holy Spirit. So that's verse 19. 
And then verse 20, a person who's full of the Holy Spirit is thankful. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember where Paul's at, church. (laughs) He's not fishing on Silver Lake in the eastern Sierras, okay? (laughs) He's in prison. And Paul is encouraging this church at Ephesus, and he says, giving thanks always and for everything to God. A person who's full of the Holy Spirit has a heart of gratitude that God is in control. Let's just pause for a minute. How are you doing with that? How joyful are you in these days? How thankful are you for the circumstances of your life and knowing that God has ordained every one of them and God has a plan and a purpose. Personally, church, I struggle. I don't manifest these characteristics regularly. Most of the time. Fortunately, it's rarely And yet people who are full of the Holy Spirit are going to manifest joy. They're going to manifest gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. God has a way of making himself at home with those who like to complain and thus. Satan has a way of taking over. God wants to free us of that kind of lifestyle. He wants us to walk wisely. And part of walking wisely is being full of the Holy Spirit. And then the third characteristic of a person who's full of the Holy Spirit is a person is submissive. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, we're going to look more at this word of submissive as we move into the area of home and relationships and work environment over the next few weeks. But uh, this word submission is not a well-accepted word today. But every spirit-filled Christian is to be humble and submissive. This is a foundational principle for healthy relationships. Whether it's between a husband and a wife or an employee and an employer or a parent and a child, there's a spirit of submissiveness. Typically, our nature, we, we want to promote ourselves. 
but the Holy Spirit has enabled us to be able to submit ourselves to one another. Okay, now there are degrees of authority, okay, and uh, we understand those, and we're going to look at those carefully as well. But even this, in, the, in the presence of those relationships, there's a spirit of cooperation. There's a spirit of submission and encouraging and being there for one another. This is important um, to us. And these are the kind of characteristics that need to be present in our relationships and in our home. And, uh, you know, it is, it is not hard to, to work and to live in those spaces where people are full of joy and gratitude and submissiveness. Those are marks of a person who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so my question to you, church, this morning is, what does God need to work on? What do you need to be thankful for and trusting him for in, in the midst of the circumstances? Is there a difficult relationship in your life where you're not being submissive? You're kind of digging your heels in and that ain't working? Go back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but do what God would have you to do. Obey what he would have you and prove to yourself that what God says is best for your life. So let's be careful how we walk. Not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of our time in the season that God has us. Know that God is real. Don't try to live your life as if God doesn't exist. The Bible describes you as a fool. God is real. And God can be trusted. Don't be foolish and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You've got all of him. The question is, does he have all of you? Surrender your life to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these very practical words. And God, in this day and age, we need to walk wisely. Because the world is trying to cram us into a mold that is not of you. That is totally opposite you. And that will only destroy people's lives. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the truth that can set us free that can 
help us, show us how to walk wisely and be who you want us to be. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, my friend, what would God have you to do from this message this morning? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to thank him for as hard as it might be? What do you need to turn from? You know that's not working. You know it only leads to dead ends and dry holes. Surrender to him this morning. And if you need Christ in your life, that's where it starts. If you've not confessed your sin to him and repented of your sin, may today be the day of your salvation. Tell him that you believe that, you, that he died for your sin. that he came back to life three days later, and that you believe that. And today you're surrendering your life to him. Father, use this time of invitation. Use your word to just help us to be whom you would have us to be as we leave this place this morning. May you be glorified, Lord, as we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.